want to just talk a little bit about how that basically we are, uh, every one of us is on a journey. Amen. We're on a journey with God. And on this journey, I hope, I hope, I, I know I want to grow. I believe you want to grow as well. Amen. And I said a couple of weeks back and this morning as well that if you're not growing in God, actually it means that you're dying. So how many of you want to grow? Three of you, all right, everybody. We all want to grow in God, and I think that it's important. And the only guarantee that I said that tomorrow will be better is if you are uh, growing today, amen? So if you're growing today, it means that your tomorrow is going to be better. And so as long as you're growing, you're going to have a great and a better future. Can you say amen? So I spoke a little bit about this morning how that also, uh, we only get one shot at this life. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. We're not going to come back as a wombat or a cockroach or a giraffe or something else. We only, we only get one shot at this life. And I don't know about you, but I want to make it count. Amen. I want to make it count. I want to be part of that generation that will uh, carry the flag and carry the baton as far afield as I can. And so, and give a chance for the next generation that comes up after us. And we saw that generation tonight, amen? And isn't it wonderful to see them jumping up? I was jumping with them, praise God. I was, I was dancing with them. But isn't it wonderful that we can see the zeal, the passion, the enthusiasm being directed for the Lord? Can you say amen? So, it's important that we understand that we're on a journey. We're on a journey together with God. And uh, we only get one shot at it, and I want to make it count, and you want to make it count. Amen? And I spoke a little bit about our vision, and we'll be hearing a lot about the vision of the Durban Christian Center. And this vision really uh, was birthed in our hearts. It comes as a result of uh, being with Pastor Fred, our founders. But the Durban Christian Center reap vision is simply this reaping everything that Jesus accomplished for the glory of God. So what does that mean? That means that basically while I'm wrapped up in this flesh, I have a revelation and an understanding of what Jesus did on the cross for me. And I'm not waiting to get to heaven to experience all of the blessings and all of the benefits but I'm saying, and I think you're part of that generation that says, you know what, whilst I'm wrapped up in my flesh, and I have my weaknesses, and I have a couple of issues, and I have a couple of obstacles, and I am surrounded by the bulls of Bashan, and I, I do have a couple of giants that I need to fight, and a couple of mountains that I need to climb up. But whilst I'm in this place, it is possible for me to live out everything that Jesus accomplished on the cross. Can you say amen? Now I want to tell you that that is the basics of Christianity. Christianity is not about coming together like this and it's wonderful and we can shout and we do that and it's wonderful. And it's a time for us to refuel and recharge. That's great. But Christianity is when you are all by yourself, when nobody is with you and it's just you and God. And it's just you and the Holy Spirit. And you're facing all kinds of dilemmas. You're facing all kinds of pressures. There's choices that you have to make. There's decisions that you have to make. And it's in those moments where actually uh, true Christianity gets to play itself out in your life. Can I get an amen? 
Praise God. And so the reap vision is reaping everything. And I said this morning, the R, we want to reach out. We want to win souls. We want to bring in the lost. But the E is basically once we have people that are, have come to know the Lord, the important thing is to begin to lay a good foundation in people's lives. To lay a solid foundation. And actually, the E stands for establish, which if you think, well, what does establish mean? Another way of putting it is basically for every person to find freedom. And I shared this morning how it is the will of God for every one of us to experience freedom. Now, if, you, if there are areas in your life where you're not free, you don't have to fret. You don't have to think, well, am I, am I still a Christian? Am I going to make it to heaven? Am I still loved? Am I still forgiven? Listen, we're all at different stages. Freedom is progressive as well. So I explained this morning how when you come to know Jesus Christ and you have an encounter with this wonderful Savior, how that your spirit, you are spirit, soul, and body, but your spirit man, the real you, is made alive unto God. Ephesians says that we who once were uh, a part of this world, we didn't know God, but now we have come to know God through this wonderful experience that instantaneously we receive the gift of righteousness. And what is righteousness? It's basically the fact that I have a right standing with God. It's not got nothing to do with what I did or what, how much money I brought or how many cakes I baked or how good a father I was or how good a parent I was. It's got purely all to do with what Jesus did for you and I on the cross of Calvary. And that is what grace is. Grace is, it's not because of you. It's the goodness of God that while we were yet sinners, God sent His only begotten Son to die on a cross so that He who knew no sin would become your and my sin. And so we receive the gift of righteousness. And so uh, we're born again. I'm, I'm made alive unto God. But what about the rest of me? What about the way that I think? What about my behavior? What about some of my attitudes? What about some of my emotions? And that's where this part comes in. The freedom comes. And this morning I explained how freedom finds itself in various avenues. Like when we get together corporately like, corporately like this to worship, you know God can set people free. Freedom comes as we gather together. And we worship together and we experience the presence of God and the moving of the Holy Spirit. Corporately, there's a corporate anointing. And in that atmosphere, God begins to untangle and begins to untie us. Come on. We, do you know that through prayer, and prayer, you don't have to be afraid of prayer. Prayer is just speaking to God from your heart. Some people think, oh, I, you know, I, I really can't pray. Can you speak? Can you speak? Yes, I can. Well, then you can pray. It's just talking from your heart. And sometimes we hear pastors, Oh, thou God who is in the... And they speak like a King James version of, of language. And you think like, for real? Is that, is that how you talk to your wife? Is that how you talk to your neighbor? So from your heart, you speak to God. And, you, and, and prayer is not a, it's not a monologue. It's a dialogue. It's where you are speaking and then you're just you know, putting yourself in a position to hear God's voice. And let me tell you, 99% of the time, God speaks to us through His Word, where His Word begins to resonate in your heart of hearts. 
Freedom comes also when uh, we just serve. We, 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 we heard about how just through serving, just through serving. Look at Abraham, just through serving. Sarah was delivered from her age and, and she was with child. I mean, that's, that's a miracle of God. What about Zechariah and Elizabeth? The Bible says that while he was serving in the temple, in the gospel of Luke, she was barren and couldn't have children. Whilst she was serving, God delivered her and set her free from infertility and barrenness so that she was pregnant and gave birth to John the Baptist. So in serving, God sets people free. We heard this morning a beautiful testimony of some guy that was on weed, smoking marijuana. And, uh, um, and he, he, he got so into the drug scene that eventually he bombed out of school and uh, just was spiraling downwards. And then a friend of a friend of, of Pastor Quanda said, come on, man, why, why don't you come and join, join us? And you know what? It wasn't even a church service. They invited him to come and run. They, do, they run, actually. They, 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 they do like a running club. And the guy had just finished smoking. Is the guy here tonight? He's not here. Okay, so we can tell the story. Okay. I mean, the guy had just smoked his weed. He was high. And Pastor Quan said, hey, dude, do you want to come for a run? He said, man, I, I, have you finished smoking? He said, yeah, I finished smoking. Do you want to pull in and come in for a run? He said, yeah, I think I, he went running while he was still high. Pastor Quandus said they battled to keep up with him. That's how fast he was running. I'm just kidding. But whilst he was high, they reached out and they said, come on, dude, come and run with us. And what happened as a result of that, they, he felt the love of God. He felt the touch of God. They invited him to come and help in the dream team, helping to park cars. The guy is on weed. He's got a problem with drugs, but whilst he was serving, and probably he served you, maybe he might have been high, park here, I don't know, park anyway, just park the car, just park the car, you know, just like, but whilst he was serving, he got free, he said, man, I tell you what, I, 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 I just need more of this, gave his heart to the Lord, and then he said, you know what, he said, you know what, I want to go back to school. So okay, well, well, what is it? I, well, I need a miracle. I need, I, need, I, need finance, I need a bursary. And Pastor Kwanda, who being the man that he is, I mean, he, it took a lot of faith for him to find that beautiful woman. Um, so so he, he'd, he'd, he'd already exercised his faith. But Pastor Kwanda said, come on, dude, I'll, I'll, I'll believe God together. They prayed on the Sunday. And the Monday morning, we're talking like not even 24 hours later, 24 hours later, Pastor Kwanda gets a text to say, hey, you know what? I just wanted to give you a heads up. I actually got the bursary. Come on, people of God. Let's give, let's give God all the glory. What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that freedom comes in so many ways. Hallelujah. Do you know that if you walk in unforgiveness, you'll never be free? You've always got to get your heart to a place where you say, well, you don't know what they did to me. Well, we, you don't know what we did to Jesus. It was our sins that put him on the cross. So we need to, as God has forgiven us, how is it that God is able to forgive us? And we are mere mortals, but we as mere mortals are not able to forgive other mere mortals. You know that if there's unforgiveness in your heart, it'll keep you in bondage. It'll keep you tied up. And here's what I said about being free. The, the whole thing about freedom is this. You will never get to your true purpose and calling if you never get to experience the freedom of God. 
Hallelujah. Do you know that a lot of people are frustrated and, and they are, are struggling? You know why? Because there's areas in their lives where they have not surrendered to God. They, 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 there's maybe unforgiveness. Maybe they're, they're not loving people. Loving people intentionally and keeping your heart immersed in the love of God will keep you free. It'll keep your heart free. It'll keep your mind free. It'll keep your emotions free. Come on. There are so many people that are in sorrow, in anguish, and it's a heartache. Life is hard. You know why? Because there's no freedom. They haven't experienced freedom. That's why Jesus paid the ultimate price on the cross to set you and I free. When he came into the synagogue in Luke 4, he said, actually, I, the Spirit of God is upon me. I'm anointed to preach the gospel. He said to heal the sick and to set the captives free, to bring liberty to those who are oppressed. What is oppression? Oppression is where the enemy keeps you in bondage. And I gave the example this morning of how the Israelites, when they were in Egypt, remember Joseph led them into Egypt and he was the prime minister and everything was going great and everybody was flourishing. And then the Bible says, Exodus chapter 1, that Joseph died and that good Pharaoh died and another Pharaoh came and took his place and looked at these guys and he, he told his Egyptian people, I, I don't like what I'm seeing. These guys are flourishing. They're multiplying. They, just now, they're going to be mightier than us. And what did they do? They set taskmasters upon them. They made their work hard and rigorous. They put burdens. Now, that's a picture of what the enemy does for you and me. If we don't serve God, if we don't experience freedom and liberty like what the cross purchased for us, we will find life to be hard and burdened. You will age before your time. You will invite sickness into your life as well because there's areas of your life. And let me tell you, every one of us needs some area in our lives to be free. Can I get a better amen? Some of you are looking at me pretty religious tonight. But listen, let me tell you, as long as you're wrapped up in this body of flesh, there are always things and issues that you will be contending with. All the time. There's only two times where you will never have to have that problem. One is either we're putting you in a box and burying you six feet under the ground. Or otherwise Jesus has come and mortality has put on immortality. And we have our glorified bodies and we'll never have a problem. But until such time, my, my, my freedom is progressive. Your freedom is progressive. Every day, I gotta get the word in. Every day, whether I feel like it or not, I gotta lift my hands up and begin to praise my God. Every day, I gotta look at my enemies and say, I bless you, I forgive you. Every day, there are giants that I gotta, come on in this place. That's how it is. One of the greatest ways that God uses to bring about deliverance is through his word. Through his word. David, the psalmist, was a phenomenal young boy at a young age would sit on the hills of Jerusalem and he would actually, you know, play his harp and would sing unto God and uh, worshiping God. Come on, he's a young boy, but he had a problem with woman. How do I know? Because later when he became king, the very thing that he didn't find freedom from was the very thing that came after him, Okay. So on the hills of Jerusalem, he would worship God. And so much so that when the prophet Samuel came to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel, you remember the story. Seven of the brothers walked by. 
And as Samuel was getting to anoint them, God, God would say, no, not him, not him, not him. Seven sons walked by, and is there anybody else? Father, Father Jesse, well, kind of like, yeah, he's not my real son, you know. He's a mother from another brother, a brother from another mother, you know, that story. And, and, and so, but anyways, but anyways, and, and he stinks. I mean, he's been out there. He's been with the sheep. He probably smells. I don't know. If, no, no, bring him, bring Okay, let's bring him. So they bring, they, they bring David. And when Samuel sees David, God says, that's my boy. That's the, that's the guy that I want you to anoint as the next king of Israel. Hallelujah. So much so that God describes David as a man having a heart after God. He doesn't say that about anybody else. But we know that David also had a problem. I don't know, because of Bathsheba. Remember the story? And so what does David say in Psalm 119, verse 11? He says, Lord, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. You see, the Word of God was designed for one place. It was designed for the heart of man. It was designed for your and my heart. That's where this Word needs to be. And we use our minds, of course. We use our intellect. We use our understanding. We use our education. And so we get the Word. But if the Word just stays in the mind, it's not going to help you. It's got to get into this heart. Now, I'm not talking about the physical organ of the heart, okay? When I talk about the heart of a man, I'm talking about the heart, the spirit of a man, the real you. And that's where this word, this word, this word in the heart is capable of doing amazing things. This word that is for the heart, when it comes into the heart, is capable. Do we have that slide? It's capable of doing amazing things. Say it with me. The word in my heart is capable of some amazing things. Now say it like this. When the word gets into my heart, it is capable of doing some phenomenal, some crazy, some amazing, some outstanding things in my life. You know, sometimes we're praying for the circumstances to change. But God says, no, I first need to get the word into your heart so that I can change you, and then I can change and work on the outside. I can change the circumstances. Can you say praise the Lord? Can you say it like you believe it this evening? Praise Amen. Praise the Lord. So that's a very important thing. The word in the heart is where there are some amazing things that take place, and um, I want to just share with you that the Word of God is likened unto a mirror. I think I, be, I began to speak a little bit about that this morning, about how that the Word is like a mirror. It's like a mirror. And the thing about the Word when it's in the heart is that it will evaluate your true desires when the Word gets in the heart. And for the Word to get in the heart, it has to come and keep on coming. And it has to keep on coming. And it has to keep on coming. And it needs to, and, and that's why we say faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right. But how does freedom come? Freedom doesn't just come because the word now gets in the heart. Freedom comes when the word gets in the heart, and I suddenly begin to understand the truth of that word. In other words, the, the truth is revealed to my heart. 
And now I begin to walk out that truth in my day-to-day -day life. That's how freedom comes. So you can know the truth, and you can have revelation, and you can expound on the Scriptures, and you can give me the Greek and the Hebrew and quote 3,000 Scriptures and wonderful, but you can still be bound. You know why? Because you're not taking that truth and you're not walking it out in your life. Like I said this morning, what's the point of knowing all the stuff in the Bible and having this deep, deep theology and revelation and your marriage is in a shambles? I mean, what's the point of knowing all this stuff about the Bible and having like deep insight and it's not able to work for you in your job place or your workplace or helping you in deal with people and just helping you to forgive people and helping you to love people. No, it's because the word comes and truth is made known to you. And with that truth, we have to now take that truth and we have to walk it out in our day-to-day -day life. That's how freedom comes. So the word comes and the first thing that it evaluates in us is our true desires. And here's the other thing about the word, the next slide, which says that actually, can we get that next slide up? that the word is like a mirror and will reveal the real you. And I think I ended more or less about here this morning where we have the mirror. And I know that you get like funny mirrors that make you look tall and thin and short and fat and whatever, whatever. But if you get a proper mirror, a proper mirror reflects what is actually the image that is in the mirror. So when you look at yourself, you think, oh my God, is my nose really that big? Yes, it is that big. <laughs> You know, am I, oh my goodness, am I really that ugly? As a matter of fact, yes, you are. I'm just kidding. But what I'm trying to say to you is that the mirror never lies. The mirror never lies. And the mirror of God's word is the same thing. But it doesn't come to put you down. I was just kidding there about being ugly. The word doesn't come to tell you that you're no good, that you're too this and too that. The word never does that. There is the conviction. It's the mirror. But what it does is it reveals how we stand when it comes to God, you know. So it's never to condemn you. It's never to push you down. It's basically to open your eyes and to show you, hey, there's actually some stuff in there that's not too kosher. You think like, what? I didn't even know that stuff was in my heart. I didn't even know that I had that resentment. I didn't even know that when I, when I was talking to that person, man, I just like smoke started to come out of my ears and I felt like my fist going into like a, my fingers going into a fist and I didn't even know that was in my heart. That's what the Word of God does. Can you say amen? It reveals the real you. And that's why many people don't come to the Word because they're afraid of who they'll, oh my goodness, is it that bad? Because of the fright that they get, because of the person that they really see. So uh, 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 the Word is like a mirror. It's a mirror and will reveal the real you, okay? And here's what I said. I have found that the mirror of God's Word has the power to do three things. The mirror of God's Word. When you come to the Word of God, the mirror of God's Word has the power to do three things. Number one, it examines you. Number two, it will restore you. And number three, it will transform you. Do you remember when uh, David sinned with Bathsheba and the prophet came to him? And David had obviously sinned with Bathsheba and then he had got Uriah killed and so 
he was trying to cover up and trying to cover up. And so the prophet Nathan comes. Now the prophet is the word of God, okay? So here comes the walking, talking word. He's the oracle of God. And Nathan comes and starts to tell him about a story about how there was a shepherd who had some lambs and somebody came and stole the lambs. And, and David rises up and said, Terrible! What shall be done for that man who stole the, the lambs, the ewes of that? Uh, and Nathan says, Actually, as a matter of fact, you're the guy. You're the guy. And what did, what did David do? Okay? So the word came to examine him the word came to restore him because David's response was, gee, oh, actually, I do have that fault. Yeah, I am an adulterer. Oh, my goodness, I do have hatred in my heart. Oh, my goodness, I am a lie. Yes, I did tell a lie. The, and, and he responded to the word. And the word restored him and the word transformed him so much so that he became the greatest king of Israel. Do you remember Saul in the, in the New Testament? how he began his life. Saul was an incredible man, a learned man, an educated man. The Bible says he was sat at the feet of Gamaliel and studied there, and he was zealous for the things of God, or so he thought of the things of God. And so what happens? One day he's on his donkey riding towards Damascus, and who does he encounter? Jesus, who is the living, speaking Word. And when the Word comes, what happens? The Word examined him, the word convicted him. He falls down. He repents. I mean, so much so that he's blind for three days. But the word transforms Saul so that later he becomes Paul and he becomes the person responsible for writing three quarters of the New Testament. Bump your neighbor and say, hurry up and get free. Yeah, because there's some things that you need to be doing but that you can't do until you are set free. Don't be afraid to let the Word examine you. Sometimes we, we're thinking that, oh yeah, I, if only my wife was here tonight. If only, you know, Harry was here. This is just what Harry needs. No, this is for you and this is for me tonight. The mirror of God's Word is to reveal you. Amen? Can you say amen? So the Word of God, the mirror of God's Word comes to examine you, comes to restore you, comes to transform you. There's a picture of this in the Old Testament, and I don't know if you've got a picture of the laver, the brazen laver, but the brazen laver was actually made from the looking glasses of the woman. In other words, it was the mirrors that the woman used, and this laver was an important piece of furniture in the tabernacle of Moses. When you look at the whole tabernacle, can you give me the other picture? There it was. You would come in the main gate. And the first piece of furniture was the brazen altar. And that's where the sacrifice was made. And there was blood that was shed. But the very next piece of furniture, before they got into that sanctuary, which was the tabernacle, was the brazen laver. And the brazen laver was made out of looking glasses, so it was mirror-like, but also it was filled with water. And what was the purpose? The purpose was that the priests would look into this brazen laver and they would see, you know, on my hands, is my face clean? Uh, uh, it would reflect them and they would see themselves. And then with the water, they would begin to wash themselves. Because you remember that the place that they were walking was dusty and their hands got grimy. And of course, there was a lot of shedding of blood. And so 
They, they weren't very clean, so that brazen laver reflected their image and they would begin to wash themselves before they went into that holy place. And of course, the holy place was the first division where there was the table of showbread and there was the altar of incense and there was the golden candlestick. And so what, what that meant was that God, God was saying, you know what, before you get any closer to me, before you even get to the holy of holies in the holy place, I need you to be clean. I know that you're busy and doing what you're doing and getting into your everyday routine, but I need, I, I need you, I need you, I, I need something to examine you so that you can see yourself. And if there is dirt and ground, I need you to wash yourself. Now, in the Bible, water is reflect is is actually a type of the word. That the Bible says that we are washed. There's a scripture in Ephesians that speaks about the washing, Ephesians 5 and 26. It says that he, Jesus, might sanctify and cleanse her, that's you and I, with the washing of water by the word. So what does this mean? This means that the word not only is a mirror that examines us, but this word is also able to wash us. But pastor, I thought I was already washed in the blood. You are washed in the blood, and you are placed in right standing with God, okay? And that's the gift of righteousness. But how many of you know that you are walking in this world, and there are things happening all the time, and there are things that your eyes are seeing. There are things that your ears are seeing that are not uh, edifying you. Sometimes there is defilement that comes. So that's why we have to take the word. And we have to keep washing ourselves with the Word. We have to keep looking at the mirror of God's Word. And then we have to allow the Word to wash us. I remember years ago hearing evangelist Ronald Bonker preach. And he said, somebody asked him one day, he said, how is it that South Africa is supposed to be a Christian country? And yet we have such a high divorce rate. And yet we have such a high drinking rate. And yet we have such a high whatever other rate it was. I don't know, but the statistics were high. Given that we were a Christian or supposed to be a Christian country. And Ronald Bonker said, you know, there's a lot of soap in South Africa, but there's a lot of dirty people in South Africa. What was he trying to say? He was trying to say that... Uh, you, you can have, the soap can be sitting on the shelf, but it's only until you take a hold of that soap and you begin to scrub your body that your body becomes clean. Hallelujah. Just the fact that you are a Christian doesn't mean that you're clean. You're born again, you're washed, you're forgiven of your sins, but we need the washing of the water. That's what I'm talking about, freedom. Freedom from defilement, freedom from our thinking, freedom from attitudes and all kinds of stuff. So uh, 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 the, 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 the water for washing is a picture of the Word of God in its cleansing power. Hallelujah. I think that's phenomenal. I want you to turn to one more scripture, which is the last one I'm going to give you tonight, found in James chapter 123, and it's a, and it's a powerful scripture. And it says here, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. And for he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets, immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, 
and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. So let me try and illustrate this for you this evening, all right? And we'll end on this. Try and illustrate. We'll just try and illustrate. So I'm born again. I'm serving God. Came to church. Amen. But now my day begins tomorrow. And uh, we go through stuff. And people are swearing round about me. And all kinds of stuff is happening. And, and so what happens? What happens is I, I get contaminated. I get, in a way, I get defiled. You know, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in this world. I'm not of this world. But I'm in this world. And so there's stuff that happens. And people say things. And... You know, I'm hearing stuff, and it gets into my spirit, and, and, and by the time I get home, I'm like, man, I'm like, I just got all this stuff on me. People were sharing jokes, and it wasn't the like, God kind of jokes. Nobody was saying hallelujah. Everybody was, you know, just using the name of the Lord in vain. How many of you know what I'm talking? Anybody? Any real people here? Or are we all super Christians? So the Bible says, okay, James says, well, we, we come to the Word, and we, we look at the Word, Oh, yeah, great. This, oh, this is a great scripture. Hallelujah. Praise God. And you look at yourself, and then the one type of a person looks in the Word and, and kind of just, you know, sees that's what's there, but doesn't take the truth of what he's read. And so he just kind of just keeps on walking with all the stuff. And, you know, there's defilement, and there's, I'm, I'm in bondage, and basically I need freedom. And then I come to the Word, and I forget what was actually there. It's only when I see the Word... And I get a revelation, and I take that revelation, and I begin to now do the revelation. You see, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing, right? We know that. But the Bible also says that faith without corresponding action is dead. So when I look into the mirror of God's Word, and that truth resonates in me, it's only when I take that truth and I begin to walk it out. Oh yeah, freedom comes. Oh yeah, praise God, freedom comes. As I, as I take that truth and I begin to walk it out. I take that truth and I begin to walk it out. You know, the Bible says I ought to love my enemies. So I, I go and ask people for forgiveness and tell them I love them. Even though, I, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Do I have anything else on? Something else, whatever, wherever it is. Is there stuff on my face? I'm good. That's how, that's how the mirror of God's word works. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's bow our heads tonight in this place. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that's come to us. I pray tonight, Lord, that you would show us our hearts like it really is. We don't want to walk with a facade. We don't want to be a more holier than thou people a more righteous than thou people. God, we, we're not into self-righteousness here. This is not about self-righteousness. This is about your word working in our hearts. Like the book of Thessalonians that says, that Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, that they took the word, not as it coming from the word of men, but as it was the word of God. And it's that word, your word, that comes to our heart that has the power the effectivity to release us, God, from all of our hindrances. I pray tonight in this place, my God, let your word resonate in every heart. I pray that tonight that we would expose ourselves to you, that we would make ourselves vulnerable to your word, 
that we wouldn't hide from you, God. Even as Adam, when he sinned, he ran from you. But I pray that even in our weaknesses, even in the places that we find ourselves, that we would run to you, allowing your word to examine us, allowing the word to restore us, allowing the word to transform us. That just like David, God, we can continue in our callings and our purposes and end off doing exactly what it is that you called us to do. David was the greatest king, even though there were issues and battles in his life. But he looked into the mirror of, of God's word and he took the word and hid it in his heart. He said also that the entrance of your words gives light. I pray for revelation light, Lord. I pray tonight, let the light of your word shine in every heart here tonight.